I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friends Burke and Rivka, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Burke? I am fantastic. How about you, Todd? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Um, happens to be a day that I have off, and we decided to clean out the storage room in our basement um, Ooh. something we do every couple years and somehow junk accumulates there. And, um, it reminds me of president Nelson's talk where he talks about clearing away the debris. You know, we find things that we didn't even know were down there or had forgotten existed. We wonder why we have them or what their purpose is. And we take them to the dumpster. So that's what we've been doing today. And, this is might sound a little weird, but I actually really love doing that because it feels so good to get rid of some of that old stuff that we just don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens to be the room I work out in. So if it's cluttered with a whole bunch of junk, it just doesn't feel as inviting. So yeah. I like to keep it tidy. See, that's one of the reasons I look forward to mm-hmm. eternal godhood is because then I will have infinite space. And if there's anything I don't like, I can just blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. Our eternity is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm going to be spending some time with you, Burke. <laughs> Supernovas, right? Huh? Yeah. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, we did talk about a lot of invitations in our last episode. Are there any other invitations that you've been working on that you want to discuss today, Burke? Uh, I continue to get more fulfillment and enjoyment from being a better ministering brother. So I'm grateful to have been working on that this year. So, Oh, good. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that's going well. Um, Rivka, how about you? Any, any invitations you've been working on lately? Well, I feel like this week, um, (laughs) my efforts to be a better disciple of Christ have come in the form of not getting frustrated with people as we've driven through the Yellowstone park. Because sometimes <laughs> anonymous, very people in, an, anonymous people in other cars make decisions that I think are the wrong decisions. <laughs> and uh-huh. so I get to I get to challenge my humility. And Burke was a really good example of that the other night when we came around a pretty blind curve. And I mean, you know, the speed limit's like about 45. And all of a sudden, there were all these cars at a dead stop because there was an elk and a bison off to the, you know, off the side of the road, but the people had stopped their cars, but had not pulled all the way over or had not chosen to go 20 feet forward and go into a pullout. So they were just sort of halfway in the road and we thought slamming on the brakes, trying not to hit them. And I had some less than Christ-like thoughts about that. But then as we were driving away, (laughs) Burke was like, okay, maybe this is the only time they're ever going to come to Yellowstone because we come every year and we recognize that that's really unusual and maybe this is maybe they've been waiting all week to see wildlife and this is finally they're finally they're seeing it and so they're so excited and he was coming up with all of these really 
good reasons why they would have made that decision. So we could be happy for them instead of angry at them. So right. been, yes, because there the are signs all over the park that say, do not stop in the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it is a common problem at Yellowstone, I believe. <clears throat> Well, I'm glad that the Lord offered you that opportunity this week, Rivka. <laughs> it's a good reminder uh, that because for me, I'm like, it's a bison and an elk because I see them all the time. And I have to, you know, have that moment where I remind myself that is not everyone's experience. And maybe I'm really taking some things for granted here, which is yeah, accurate. Right. Yeah. For the beauty of the earth, right? Exactly. Well, good. Um, I do not have anything new or grand to report on my invitations. I'm still focused on the same things, still making slow, steady progress and keeping at it. I think Aaliyah is about the same too. Um, she's constantly working on just patience and, and kindness, um, and just trying to be better at those things. And, um, she's still loving training and doing, um, English as a second language classes and working on the Spanish social media. So, um, she's having a lot of fun and she just hit on July 4th, actually her midway point. So, oh my word. um, she's nine wow, months in are only the... four months long now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. Can you believe it? Wow. Um, so we're going to blink and she'll be coming home, um, in April of next year or so. And she got a new mission president at the same time. So um, she's spending half her mission president or half her mission with one mission president and half with another. And she's sort of looking to forward to building that relationship with him. So it's been been eventful, but at the same time, in terms of invitations, um, she's just continuing down the, the same path. So. So that's where we are. So let's move into our talk today, Divine Love in the Father's Plan by President Dallin H. Oaks, First Counselor in the First Presidency. So this talk, uh, President Oaks never shies away from the tough topics. Um, so he's going to build up throughout the talk to talking about um, policies on gender and uh, marriage between a man and a woman. So he's he never shies away from those things. So this one talks about some of the one of the only talks where they just sort of openly explicitly addressed some of the more controversial things or or doctrines or policies that we have um, in the church uh, in the current time. So so it should be a fun one. So let's <laughs> dive right into it. Um, Burke, I think it would be best. He really builds this talk over time. So rather than one fundamental doctrine, I think this is another talk where it'd be best to sort of go step by step. Um, so maybe you could just take us through the introduction and and what he starts out with here um, as to get us going. Well, so he starts off by saying the gospel plan shows our Heavenly Father's love for all his children. To understand this, we must seek to understand his plan and his commandments. And I like that he starts out with a reminder that God loves us. Um and that because he loves us, he has a plan, a specific plan or directions that he wants us to follow. And we understand that that is because he wants us to achieve those things that will bring us the greatest eternal freedom and opportunity. Um, 
And I like that he sets that base because as you've noted, as we get here later on, he's going to talk about a lot of things that are required in order to stay on that plan. And some of which are become increasingly more difficult in our day and age. Um, And let's see. I like when he says here, uh, referring to Christ's teachings of the great commandment, he says he taught that to love God and to love our neighbors are the first of God's great commandments. Those commands are first because they invite us to grow spiritually by seeking to imitate God's love for us. And again, just reiterating that the plan, the entirety of the plan is built around God's love for us and his desire for us to cultivate that exact kind of love. And I think we have to remember that because in the things he says later, a lot of people in our day and age have labeled as hate speech. Right. Um, But he knows there's going to be opposition. um, And our goal really is love. So. Fantastic. Yeah. So he starts with the foundation of love, uh, God's love for us, us loving others. And he himself says, you know, I love all of God's children. So, um, he's really starting with that basis. So then Rivka, next section is section one. He often doesn't title his sections, but mm-hmm. he writes them out with his lawyerly judge <laughs> background and, yes. and Ro- Roman numerals. So um, dive into section one for us. What does he cover here? He starts out by saying a common misunderstanding of the judgment that ultimately follows mortal life is that good people go to a place called heaven and bad people go to an everlasting place called hell. The, this erroneous assumption of only two ultimate destinations implies that those who cannot keep all the commandments required for heaven will necessarily be forever destined for hell. A loving heavenly father has a better plan for his children. I think that's because none of us can keep all the commandments. So this <laughs> <laughs> this heaven and Good hell point. option is just ultimately a, a wash of failure. And that is not what he intends for his children. Um, And then he says, all the children of God, with exceptions too limited to consider here, will finally wind up in a kingdom of glory. And I think that's such an important message for us to internalize. Not because, I think sometimes we fear to talk about this because we think, People will go, oh, then I don't have to try super hard if I'm okay living in a level of glory that isn't the the highest level of the celestial kingdom. But I I think this is an important thing for us to internalize because it will help us to curb our tendency to be self-righteous and judgmental of other people. Like if everyone is going to eventually attain a level of glory, there's... that strips away that thing that self-righteousness does where it's like, I'm better and you will burn, which is, well, I don't know why our mortal minds do that, but we kind of, we tend to, we think, especially if someone's done something really awful and we're like, I hope that you suffer the consequences of that for eternity. But God, God knows better and that's in his hands, you know, but eventually we'll all receive kingdoms of glory. We're all, we're all divine beings. That's such an important thing for us to remember, especially as he's encouraging us here to be able to love all of God's children, regardless of the way they are choosing to, to use their agency. Right. Yeah. And the other side of that coin is loving ourselves and understanding that, 
you know, not getting into the sorrowing of the damned where we just feel like, well, that's it. I'm going to hell and I can't do anything about it. Right. Um, realistically, as he said, the exceptions are too limited for us to consider because none of us have reached the point where we are beyond saving. So no matter what happens, in one sense of the term saved, we are all already saved um, because we're going to make it to one of those kingdoms. Um, Now, if you actually go to the church website, they say salvation, here's six different different (laughs) definitions of it. Um, So it depends on how you use that word. And I think what most of us are shooting for is exaltation, not salvation, Mm -hmm. um, which is different. But um, yeah, I think the plan is far more merciful than we um, commonly talk about or think about. And he really tries to emphasize that here. So yeah. Awesome. Um, Burke, anything else to add from that first section where he goes over the kingdoms of glory? Uh, Just, uh, I guess, agree that... You know, he starts out talking about love, and this is a demonstration of that love, that God has provided a place where everyone can be benefited to the greatest amount possible, given, you know, their level of achievements, maybe not the right word, but given their level of growth and repentance. So, Yeah, fantastic. Well, then he takes it from there and he says, you know, understanding this plan and the kingdoms of glory helps us to understand other doctrines and principles. So um, again, what we're ultimately shooting for is celestial glory um, where we, we can be exalted. And so he says the covenants made and the blessings promised to the faithful in the temples of God are the key um, to that, you know, exaltation. And he says, this explains our worldwide building of temples about which the choir is sung so beautifully. Um, some are puzzled at this emphasis, not understanding that the covenants and ordinances of the temple guide us toward achieving exaltation. So by understanding the degrees of glory, we understand why we are so focused on temples. Um, in addition, you know, he, he doesn't um, say it this way necessarily, but just the sealing power that's found in the temples is another reason. So, um, so yeah, he that's one of the reasons we are so focused on temples is to achieve that exaltation in the highest kingdom of glory. Um, and then Burke, you just referenced this, but at the very end of that section, he says, in other words, the kingdom of glory we receive in the final judgment is determined by the laws we choose to abide by in our mer- in our heavenly father's loving plan. Under that plan, there are multiple kingdoms so that all of his children can be assigned to a kingdom where they can abide. Um, so in that way, he's emphasizing that it's both, both merciful and just, we will all have a place. Um, and in many ways we get to choose where that place is by what degree of obedience we give to the the laws and commandments of the gospel. Um, okay. So, uh, let's move on to section two here. So Burke, why don't we start with you? Um, what did he teach us about in section two? Oh, it's, I didn't mark a lot in this section, actually. Um, well, he talks about Heavenly Father's loving plan and I guess the way it's administrated. So he talks about promoting religious freedom and that we want to grant everyone the option to exercise their agency to choose what they want. 
But at the same time, we're still going to send missionaries um, to preach. We're still going to give humanitarian aid to those who are not members of our church because we want to do the most we can to demonstrate God's love to those, which includes both helping and also teaching the truth. Yeah. So, you know, because we respect people's agency, we want everyone to have the freedom to choose. But because we believe there is exaltation requiring covenants in the temple and other covenants, baptism and so forth, we still teach the gospel to everyone. So yeah, again, he's using that framework. And the part I did mark here was right at the end where he says, therefore we are commanded to teach and contend for principles and practices that provide the best conditions for the development and happiness of children under God's plan. And I feel like this is a little bit of foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. Yes. Uh, so we'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. Great. So, um, you know, in that paragraph, he's transitioning into talking about children and that's really section three where he jumps, you know, into it in depth. So Rivka, tell us a little bit about section three here. Uh, he says, finally, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is properly known as a family-centered church, but not well understood is the reality that our family-centeredness is not limited to mortal relationships. And I think that's a good beginning um, for this section in which he uh, addresses um, the the social and legal pressures of, of same-sex marriage and the um, what he calls the gender homogenization or confusing and altering gender. So he, he starts this out by saying that this is not just a, an earthly mortal lifetime issue, that this, there is an eternal element here um, that is fundamental. He says, fundamental to us is God's revelation that exaltation can be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman. That divine doctrine is why we teach that gender is an essential characteristic of individual, premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. That is also why the Lord has required his restored church to oppose social and legal pressures to retreat from his doctrine of marriage between a man and a woman, to oppose changes that homogenize the differences between men and women or confuse or alter gender. Um, So again, in his very legalese (laughs) way, he is saying, here are the reasons why the church is taking the stance that it does, why this isn't um, something that is like an alterable policy. In fact, is it in this section that he talks about the, or maybe is it in the next one? Oh no, it is. Um, He talks about the, the 1995 proclamation of the family that came out and, and that's a fantastic and, well thought out and and well carefully worded um, proclamation that came out document. But he says, um, those who do not fully understand the father's loving plan for his children may consider this family proclamation no more than a changeable statement of policy. In contrast, we affirm that the family proclamation founded on irrevocable doctrine defines the kind of family relationships where the most important part of our eternal development can occur. So it's just really clear here that that these these things are not issues of policy in the church. 
which is what so many people I think are are hopeful of or wish was the case for for because they have loved ones who struggle with it because they struggle themselves with these ideas and the pull as society's ideals the the chasm between between societal ideology and the doctrines of the gospel widens it's it's just becoming this gulf where it didn't used to be and so there are people who well meaning and i believe with love in their heart with wish that this was a policy that could be changed and he's being very clear here that that this is doctrinal um, and that the doctrines of the gospel are not going to change and this is why god has it set up this way and and why these things are not going to be changed yeah and i think this is a section that was really tough for some people to hear yeah um I think there was, I've, I've heard a number of people say, well, you know, the family proclamation is, you know, just this exactly what he said. It's just church policy and it could be changed. Um, many other policies have been changed around LGBTQ issues. Um, but he's, I mean, he could not be more clear when he says, you know, the family proclamation is founded on, on, did he say irrevocable thank you um doctrine and it's it it's defining our relationships and again he built up to this by talking about how you know individually we we're all going again with limited exceptions going to be saved in these kingdoms of glory what we're shooting for is to live like god lives in exalted families in the celestial kingdom and that is only achievable through a marriage between a man and a woman. And so, as in the current co- climate that we live in and culture, that is a very hard thing for some people to hear, but that's the fundamental doctrine that he's teaching. And it's something that, um, you know, changes our whole, if you were to change that doctrine, would change our whole understanding of who God is, which is, you know, two individuals combined together for eternity. Um, And then to go back to this, the section that Burke alluded to, he said, this is also why the Lord has required his church, restore church to oppose social and legal pressures to retreat from his doctrine of marriage between a man and a woman to oppose changes. So you did read that Rivka, but the part about the opposition um, Mm -hmm. to social and legal pressures, not opposition to the church, which we'll come to, but us opposing social and legal pressures. Burke, um, you know, you brought it up in the last section. What are your thoughts there as the church has fought legally against changing some of those definitions in the past? Well, you know, for me, it's, it's really difficult because, you know, as a physician, I'm trained to set aside my religious beliefs and expectations for my daily practice because everyone deserves to have a doctor who is willing to treat them the the best that he or she can while at the same time i believe these things are eternal truths so it's it's difficult i don't want anyone to feel unloved ever but i also have to affirm that i believe in a god who has laws and breaking those laws has consequences. I don't really know an easier way to say that. And even he says here, <clears throat> excuse me, the restored church's positions on these fundamentals frequently provoke opposition. We understand that. 
Our Heavenly Father's plan allows for opposition in all things, and Satan's most strenuous opposition is directed at whatever is most important to that plan. And so we know that there's going to be opposition. There's just no way around it. Um, And I think another part of this that is really difficult is that God's defined gender roles and individual cultural and society's gender roles misalign in so many ways that it's hard to know which are which. Mm-hmm. And even within the church to some degree over time, we've struggled with this, you know, um, the, the idea of men only do what, what is often defined as, you know, toxic masculinity. Men can't have feelings and they can't, you know, so much of this stuff is all wrapped up together that it's tough to say which, which things are God's and which things are man's. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know another way to say it than, than it's, it's hard and it's something that we have to continually work on to, yeah. to know the differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's a struggle. And um, I think teasing out some of the cultural things from the context we live in um, and of course in other cultures throughout the world, it might be totally different. Yeah. Um, the, and so we each, you know, have to wrestle with those depending on where we live and how we were raised and the cultural context we live in. Um, let me ask each of you this question. I did have somebody in the ward ask me, or not ask me, but in conversation we were discussing this, and they said, you know, why does the First Presidency keep bringing this up, um, you know, or the apostles? Uh, last year, we had Elder Holland give a talk at BYU where he said what you just said, Burke, yeah. in just about the the nicest, most loving way you could and he still you know was a lot of people were still pretty upset with him i don't know what feedback there was on elder oaks talk um i didn't hear a lot of other things about it but but this you know i did have that one person say well why why do we keep talking about this so how would you answer that question and maybe rivka we can start with you what why does this keep coming up in you know official settings where it keeps getting repeated I would imagine because they continue to be asked this question themselves because there, there is a great deal of, this is something we don't have all the answers for yet from the Lord. We don't understand the whys of all of this stuff. And, and the brethren have made that clear themselves. We don't know all the why, you know, they're like, we don't know all the whys, but we know this is what, what God is telling us. And, and we know that this is something that is painful and a wrestle and will continue to be so, and probably just grow in difficulty for a time. So I, because I believe Elder Oaks in this talk and President Nelson in the last one, I believe them when they say they love us. Um, if for no other reason than I've also held callings in the church and I know what it is when you hold those callings, it's like, I tell my young women all the time, I love them, but, and, and I genuinely do. But for the most part, what I'm expressing is that because of my calling, um, I feel constantly the love of the Lord for them, for those young women. And so I, I believe President Nelson and President Oaks when they say they love us. And because of that, our 
pain and our concerns are their pain and their concerns. And they would not just make one comment at some point and then leave us to wrestle this alone. I think that's why they continue to talk about this because they know this is an active source of wrestling and and pain and concern for those that they love, for those for whom they've been called to serve. And so they, they would want to and have to continue to address this because it continues to be a concern. Yeah. Thank you. Anything to add to that Burke on why, why it keeps coming up? Well, I had a, a friend of mine from residency that is very outspoken um, on all of these issues, um, not a member of our faith who posted on the Mm -hmm. 4th of July on Facebook. And one of the things she said was that your strongly held religious beliefs shouldn't have a part in the conversation. And I thought, how Hmm. can my beliefs on what is right and wrong not have a part in a conversation involving laws, which are really just expressions of a shared morality. So, I mean, I can understand why her views make, because she disagrees with our input means she doesn't really want our input and that she wants things to go just the way she feels are right. I just, I don't understand how we cannot talk about the fundamentals of our belief when it comes to what is right and wrong. And so they are the fundamentals. And I think we're going to continue to have to say that, yes, but this is what I believe. And ultimately, if our country goes another direction, it goes another direction. But that doesn't change that this is what I believe is right and wrong. So. Right. Yeah. Well, along those lines in section four, he talks about um, loving each other, even when we disagree. Absolutely. And I think that's such a critical piece um, to all of this. And he, so he sort of ended where he began, which is um, whichever side you take or however you see the subtle nuances, what, whichever shade of gray you land on, um, you know, choosing to love and, and um, you know, not be angry at those who disagree with you in any way, whether you think somebody is, um, you know, wrong because of their religious b- beliefs or wrong because you don't feel they're following the brethren or whatever case the case may be for you, uh, you know, r- letting go of that, that tension and that anger. We saw this throughout COVID, you know, as very high levels of tension sometimes over masks and distancing and all of those mm-hmm. things. Oh yeah. Um, and it it's, it's always so hard. I think for me in all of these things, there's safety and just following the brethren. Even when they say something I might uh, not like or might disagree with, taking the time to um, pray about it, ponder it. If I never come to any sort of resolution on it, then choosing to put my concerns on hold and follow them. And then love those around me who do it a different way. Because um, I I guarantee every person is doing what they think is right and holding the beliefs that they think are right and best. Um, and, and trying to follow God in their own way uh, within, you know, members of the church um, trying to follow God in their own way. So, yeah, that that can be tough and it goes along with what president Nelson said in his talk, which is, you know, not letting bitterness or, or anger be a part of your life and forgiving people, but um, just trying to seek that unity um, through 
through focusing on those things that we do agree on and and shared beliefs of the Savior and our, our Father in Heaven and working towards um, getting back to them. So tough topics, but important ones and ones that will keep coming up. In when I do youth interviews, I frequently ask the youth, you know, what is one of the strongest parts of your testimony, and what is the something you're struggling with? And the vast majority say, uh, "Well, if I'm struggling with something, it's LGBTQ sort of issues, and just understanding that." And so, um, for now, at least they're here to stay. And I think um, things that we're all going to have to come to terms with on our own, however we feel is best. So. Doing that in a spirit of love is going to be the way that the Savior wants us to do it. So, um, Rivka, anything to add here before we close up on this one? Um, I liked this thought right at the end. Um, he says, for all of us, he, meaning Heavenly Father, has destined life after death and ultimately a kingdom of glory. God desires all of us to strive for his highest possible blessings by keeping his highest commandments, covenants, and ordinances, all of which culminate in his holy temples being built throughout the world. We must seek to share these truths of eternity with others, but with the love we owe to all of our neighbors, we always accept their decisions. Um, and I, that's so important in this because what he's saying is we accept their ability to, to use their agency. We accept their ability to come to conclusions. And uh, I mean, you can read this as those within the church versus those who don't have these teachings, but I, I can't help but think that this is something we need to really work on in the church and acceptance that, that when it comes to these topics, especially that there will be people within the church who have different feelings about this. And, and that is, this is an individual wrestle with these doctrines and an individual wrestle that we, that we have with the Lord. And so, especially when it comes to within the church, we need to have respect for and accept that people might come to different conclusions or hold different opinions right now than we do. And whatever that is, is, is theirs. And it's not ours to, to judge or make, um, assumptions about their level of righteousness, whatever they hold. So that would be my final thought. Okay. Thank you. Well, I think that'll wrap up that talk. That was the first talk of the Sunday afternoon session. So I think we're about six or seven talks away from being done with all of April conference. Um, So we're going to, we're going to keep going. There might be some, um, lapses in uh, weeks of, of putting out podcasts as we have a variety of vacations or other things planned. So be aware of that, but we're going to do our best to keep going on. And then, I don't know, we haven't even talked about the skies, but I think we'll finish all the talks here. And I would love to do some more greatest hits if we have time yes. before the October Absolutely. conference. So I've, ar- I've already been thinking of some. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Uh, Burke's like we're <laughs> Elder Scott's talk number one, talk number two, talk yep. number three. Yeah, just take them in order. One. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So if anyone out there listening has a greatest hits talk from conference that they want us to um, discuss or read, we would love your suggestions. So get a hold of us on uh, social media, and we'll do that. But uh, next time we will discuss the covenant path, the way to life eternal. 
by Elder Adeyinka A. Oder. Yeah, all right. Oder. Oder. Jedaran? I don't know. I absolutely failed that. And the next one is something I also can't uh, pronounce. Jorg Gat. I don't know. These, these names, I apologize. I'm awful at them. If it's not Portuguese, Spanish, or English, I'm toast. But anyways, the talk name is The Covenant Path, The Way to Eternal Life. Um, so in the meantime, please do get a hold of us on social media um, at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and tell us some of the future talks you want us to discuss um, or on Gmail at Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us today, everyone. And until next time, keep the faith. Hola a todos, this is Hermana Everett, and here are my thoughts on the talk Divine Love in the Father's Plan by Elder Oaks. Um, I love Elder Oaks. His talks are always good. Um, very, very, very straightforward and blunt, um, which I'm personally a fan of. But this one was focused on, obviously, like the title says, love. Um, and he starts by talking about the kingdoms of heaven. And I think a lot of people, because Christianity as a whole generally believes in a heaven and a hell one of each and one is great and one is terrible and it's kind of this like um polar opposite and if you do anything bad you're going to hell and if you are perfect you're going to heaven kind of a a deal and um when joseph smith had the vision of the kingdoms it was huge it was huge because christianity had no, like, they they just believed in heaven and hell, and so for someone to say that there's, like, different parts of heaven, basically, and that that's where most people are going to end up, um, if not all, pretty much, then, like, it was just, it was huge, because no one believed that at the time, Um, and so um, I think it's really, really cool that Heavenly Father, because he loves us, has given everyone a place where they will be, um, what they choose to be, what they have the desire to be. Um, because if someone who doesn't want to make covenants, doesn't want to become a better person, um, and doesn't want to live with their family forever, was in the same place as someone who does, then how uncomfortable would one feel with the other, right? Um, and so Heavenly Father gives us different options for different people, but it's all kingdoms of glory. And so it's very, 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 very hard for anyone to not end up in those kingdoms of glory. Um, And it's a choice. It's always a choice. And Heavenly Father helps us make the choice that will most benefit us. Um, And, of course, he wants us to be in his kingdom, um, the celestial kingdom. But his other kingdoms are also kingdoms of glory. Um, And so um, it's just... It's just a testament of God's love. The plan of salvation is one of my favorite lessons to teach because it's so merciful. It's so merciful. And people, I, I can always see the spirit testifying to people when I teach the plan of salvation, especially the last chunk about what happens after death because there's so many cool things that happen after death <laughs> um, that people don't know about. And so it's really awesome to explain that to them and see how they feel God's love through his plan. Um, But yeah, so that one, that's really cool, the three kingdoms.
one other thing that he said that I'm pretty sure I wrote down when I first listened to this talk um, was he was talking about um, kind of some fundamental doctrine about the family. And he says, um, Our Heavenly Father's plan allows for opposition in all things, and Satan's most strenuous opposition is directed at whatever is most important to that plan. So, obviously, Satan is um, attacking pretty strongly the family, which means that that's really darn important in Heavenly Father's plan. In fact, it is the center and purpose of the plan. Um, I, well, other than the atonement of Christ, but the, the people moving through the plan um, is the family. And so if the ultimate goal is to have families united forever in God's kingdom with him, then of course Satan is going to do whatever he can to um, make it so that families aren't as important to the world. Um, and so it's really interesting to me to see how the uh, family proclamation of the world has gone from pretty acceptable when it came out to highly debated um, and just destroyed, basically. Um, and it's really, I don't know, I guess it just makes me value my family more. Um, and and knowing that families are the most important thing is is helping to direct me in terms of my own family. Um, and like, that's what I want. That's what I want is to be in the celestial kingdom with my family forever. And I'm not going to let um, anything stop that, you know, as long as it's under my control. So very fiery language here from Elder Oaks. Um, but I think it's necessary because it's so important and it's so beautiful. It's so so awesome, um, the family, and uh, I know that families can bring a lot of joy and a lot of hardship, but through the atonement of Christ, everything is possible in terms of relationships. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's a lot of that strain of love throughout this talk, and um I think it's really cool to see how the church, um, Christ Church, has restored knowledge about the plan of salvation and that we, as members of the church, get to know that. Um, we get to know that God has a merciful plan in store for us and that it's an individual plan for each individual person. Um, and then we get to, I guess, share the love of God with others um, but yeah, very interesting talk, <laughs> um, and I hope that this, I guess, topic is something that people can find joy in, because it's really awesome. The plan of salvation is really cool. So until next time, guarde la fe. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending 
a personal prophetic epistle just to you.